privilege to preach today and to add my welcome to you if you're joining us. Um, if you don't know where Chipping Camden is, it's um, kind of between Oxford and Birmingham at the top north side of the, the wonderful Cotswolds. And we're so glad if uh, you as part of the regular congregation are with us today, but also if you've just discovered. We look forward to one day meeting you in person. We're continuing a series that we've entitled Messy Church from the first letter that Paul writes to the church in Corinth. It's an amazing story of a church thriving, but a church that had begun to flounder, a church that had begun to lose its way because there were challenges being faced. Paul, as ever, under the inspiration of the Spirit, writes some key words, some inspirational words, to help the church in their time of need, to point them, to signpost them, to direct them. Let's pray for a moment. Father, thank you for your word to this church that inspired and shaped and corrected and still brings truth. Thank you that wherever we are, this day that we are tuning in, gathering together, you're at work. Your spirit is close by at hand. Teach us and deepen our faith and our love for Jesus. For that was Paul's intention and our prayer this morning, this day, in Jesus' name. Amen. As I said, Messy Church, the church in Corinth is people just south of Athens, a church that Paul had established, a church that Paul had visited and spent around 18 months in, a church that Paul was really very, very fond of. He speaks often in this letter of using language of family and of body. They are connected together. They're not just a collection of individuals, but called together, unified through Jesus Christ, through baptism and the Spirit into one family and one body. We've not necessarily preached sequentially over these coming weeks for obvious reasons. But returning to, to chapter 4, Paul wants to speak a little bit about unity, but in particular about his role and that of leadership. Remember, Paul was the founder and the church planter. He was their pastor, the apostle. Indeed, in language we perhaps would understand, he would be the founding father of the church. He was the one who built it right from scratch. In fact, in verse 14, he talks about the fact that they have met, maybe they've had 10,000 guardians in Christ, but you don't have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus. I'll unpack a little bit of what that means in a moment. But it's, it's worth reminding ourselves that those aren't the natural reference points that Paul self-describes. They're not the titles he uses. They're not the signature on an email or the footnote on a business card. Far more often, Paul, though an apostle, the sent one, would describe himself as a servant or a slave of Jesus Christ. One who is serving the Lord faithfully, humbly, consistently. So when we hear these words in chapter 4, 14 to 21, we've just got to take care in hearing this, that Paul, when he says he's coming as a father, is not coming as one with overbearing authority. He's not coming as a domineering figure. We hear that in the end. He asks them the question, which do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a rod of discipline or shall I come 
with love and with a gentle spirit. I think the rhetorical question is obvious in how the Corinthians would hear and want to answer that very question. He comes to them as the one who proclaimed the gospel to them and on a human level is responsible for their faith in meeting Jesus Christ. Obviously, the Holy Spirit is the one who leads to Jesus. But Paul was the sent one, the witness, the one who founded that church. So what does this have to do with you? What does this have to do with us? When we speak of leadership, so often we we immediately default to the leaders of national significance or of a great church or a parachurch movement or those who we have heard of who have got a large following. We might think of prime ministers or presidents or CEOs or someone whose leadership we have been under. And they are leaders. But I think as we hear this text, it's, it's really important to know that actually all of us have some sort of sphere of influence. Peter Lawrence would describe leadership like this, those to whom or with whom we are able to affect, either positively or negatively. In other words, all of us, in some sense, have an ability to lead because we have influence, whether that is influence over ourselves, we can lead ourselves, but also whether that's as a mother or a father, as a friend, as a work colleague, as a boss, we have influence. You may not think of yourself as a leader because you don't fulfill a role, but undeniably you have influence. But in particular, I want us to hold on to that and for those who hold the more obvious leadership roles in whatever sphere, whether it's business or home or church or wherever. All of us, Believers, teachers Paul, are servants of Jesus Christ and trusted with the secret things of God. So Paul does remind them of who he is, but he also reminds them that he's sending his friend and his colleague Timothy. Verse 17, we're told that for this reason I have sent you Timothy, my son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He refers to him as his son, his child, not biologically of course, But in the sense that Paul was really significant in Timothy's conversion, in his being nurtured as a young believer, of being raised up. And as such, Paul has love and care and responsibility for him and indeed his passion for the church. In this, I want you to hear that you matter. In these days where we've been socially isolated and we've been distanced from one another it's easy to feel alone it's easy to feel disconnected to be zoomed out to feel we've spent too much time on a screen and actually we've been out of touch physically and metaphorically and literally but we matter I received a letter this week from someone I've had the privilege of of mentoring and encouraging and talking about faith with over a a number of months. And he wrote an old school letter to me. 
I got it in the post. It's one of, you know, we get bills and statements and all those kind of circulars. But to actually get a proper letter handwritten by someone you know was such a delight to read. It blessed me so much. I I just wonder if um, you're able to write a letter, perhaps. Make that time to someone who has encouraged you or been a positive example. Uh, And I was so blessed to receive that myself this week. We have influence. We can bring effect. Paul phrases it like this. He says in verse 16, be imitators of me. That's a deeply profound thing to say. Be imitators of me. We see it so often in in family life. Children look up to their parents. They seek to copy them. They learn key things in those early stages of development of life that actually get rooted and established and form patterns and habits and lifestyle viewpoints. Be imitators of me. I had a friend at college when I was training at Spurgeon's and uh, he was, like all of us were then, regularly preaching in church and by church, different churches, Sunday by Sunday, and sometimes in preaching classes in the college. And, and he and his wife had had uh, a little son, and he was about two years old. His language was still developing and forming. There was more babble than real words. And one day, his dad came in from his office, his study room, to find his son had managed to get hold of his briefcase and had put it in the centre of the room and his little boy was standing on the briefcase preaching to the empty room with the same mannerisms that he'd seen his dad used. The words weren't fully formed, but the gestures were. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I mean, in that, the obvious challenge is in what ways are those of us who have influence upon others using our influence? In what are we transferring? In what ways are people picking up from us? In what ways will people imitate us? I think back to my early uh, kind of Christian days in 1991 when I became a Christian at university in Newcastle-upon-Tyne. And I'm so thankful for the believers that were around me and who had actually, as I look back, a profound effect, a lasting effect. And the legacy of that time still lives on in me. What I learned, what I saw, what I picked up from them has formed a key foundation of my my Christian journey. I'm thankful to say most of it was good. I learned from them about praying. I learned about praying individually, the confidence to pray out loud for the first time in a small group setting, to break that barrier, and still is for everyone, one of those things that we struggle with, to have that confidence to pray out loud. I learned about the priority of the Bible. I learned about kind of reading the scriptures regularly, of being able to ask questions, of trusting the word, of basing my life upon it. I learned too about the priority of mission, of sharing my faith, of witnessing. I'm so thankful for those key elements really early on. 
I, I learned from a really dear friend still about many things of generosity, even in student days when we didn't have very much, of the discipline, the habit, and the blessing of being able to give and be generous. Timothy was sent by Paul to remind them of Paul's way in Jesus. That was his function, that, that they were to see Timothy, to see in Timothy the things that Timothy was leading in. But Timothy was also to remind them about Paul and the ways of Jesus Christ. Now, we're in such a fortunate position that we have the scriptures at this point, that we have the teaching that Paul gave and John and the others in the gospel writers and indeed the whole span of scripture. Not only do they, what they teach, but we recorded the biography biographical information that they have in their life, their journey, their struggles and their successes, they become to us role models. That we can hear Paul's words, he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ, and we can read his journey from that time before when he persecuted Christians to that time he encountered the risen Jesus on the road to Damascus, and indeed his fundamental life change and life shift and what it meant to follow. We have the teaching and the example as our role model of what it looks like and what they did when they failed, they stumbled, how they got up, how they began to trust the Lord as the Lord lifted them back up. We have Timothy's still. We're part of a beautiful body. We're part of a church people, a family. Yes, we have leaders, leaders in all sorts of avenues and spheres, but we're also part of a family that we are able to see in others and learn from others what it means to be followers of Jesus. The Pauls and the Timothys, the Priscillas and the Marys and the Elizabeths and the Johns. Imitate me as I follow Jesus. C.S. Lewis uh, commented on this once uh, when he was reflecting and writing about the qualities of a saint, not someone dead in heaven praying as, as some aspects of the world would believe, but actually the saint, those people who are rescued and, and in Christ are defined as the holy ones because of the work and the majesty and the forgiveness and the cleansing of, of what God does through Jesus Christ in establishing us. In him, he reflects and says that a saint, the quality of a saint, is that he or she is a person who makes God believable. Saints do, do that not by being pleasant or by bowing to the whims of society, but rather saints make God believable by living a life of truth and light as Jesus did, not through the power of the world but through a power recognised as truth. He reflects on the Gospel of John and presents this precise summary. John proclaims that the miraculous blend of grace and truth helps Christian saints to be spotted and known by their love and lived proclamation of God's truth. Think about that for a moment. Think about that in your sphere of influence, in whatever leadership role 
or opportunity you have as a house group leader, as a junior church leader or helper within the youth. And recognizing all of us have a sphere of influence, but in what way? How is our influence making a difference? Think about what Paul is, is saying fundamentally. He says none of these None of these believers had actually physically seen Jesus Christ in the flesh. Jesus had ascended by that point into heaven. They didn't have the fully formed scriptures that we now have. They hadn't yet been written in entirety by the letter time the letter of 1 Corinthians was written, nor indeed had the, the whole of the scriptures been collated into what we now call the Bible. They didn't have that. But they had seen Paul. They had seen his example and witness. In uh, chapter 11, verse 1 of this passage, this book, he says, uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. He's already described to them that he is the father in the gospel for them. As such, Paul had had to move on. He'd been compelled by the gospel to take it to as yet unreached places. But he longs to return to them like a dad who's missed his children, his family. That's why he says, I'm not going to come to you with a rod, verse 21, but with love and a gentle spirit. Why did he have to go back? Because in his absence in Corinth, some of those people who'd come to faith were now believing in an arrogant and boastful way. Divisions had got in, discord had, had entered into the church, and they were actually getting distracted from all they were called to be in Jesus Christ and the purpose of why they were founded. And we see in this short passage, Paul's, in Paul's writing, his loving, fatherly heart for these people, and he was grieved. And he says in verse 21, not just with words, but of of power. What's he reminding them of? He's saying, well, five years before, there was no church in Corinth. It was an unreached city south of Athens, full of commerce and ideology and idolatry and godlessness. But Paul had arrived in the power of the Spirit. And preached the kingdom of God. It wasn't just a talking shop. It wasn't just a gathering and a sharing of hot air. But the fruit of the power of the gospel resulted in transformed lives. It was plain to see. And it's amazing what the Lord had accomplished through Paul. As Paul had submitted to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, as as Paul lived in the power of the Spirit, of what was achieved through this man whose life was submitted to God. Why not us? Why not you? Especially in, in lockdown, it's not so easy to pass the responsibility to someone else. Well, someone else will take care of this. It's not my problem. One of the things lockdown has, has resulted in this, in this time of being at home and with our families or self-isolated is that the responsibility has come back to you and I. Be assured of, of Phil and I's prayer, my prayer for you and that of the church, especially 
for those uh, who are families and parents and are finding the joys and struggles of, of homeschooling. But we're also praying for faith schooling. Of what are you passing on? Of what are you sharing? That these wonderful, precious young people are picking up hour by hour as we keep company together. Like me, many of us are isolating alone. We don't have the joy and the struggle of being with a family, with others at the moment. Well, of course, how do we, how do we grow alone? Well, of course, we're happy to recommend resources, and we've been able to do that and pass some on and making them available. But there are still the Pauls and the Timothys around. We aren't alone, actually. Phil led us in a prayer time uh, and uh, reminded us of, of the situation of believers in other parts of the world where isolation is, is more continuous and perhaps more profound. It is more difficult to do so because the authorities are so much more closely watching and coming down hard on those who break that. We have so many tools available, so many opportunities at hand. Uh, just at the beginning of the week, I was contacted by one of our young people who is working overseas, one of our young adults. And uh, he, he asked that uh, if I could make time, and I said happily, to do some mentoring. And I asked him what he would like to, to think about. And he said, well, he's been reading more of the scriptures because he's in lockdown as well. And he's, as he's reading them, he's finding he's having questions. He's wondering, what does it look like? What does this mean? How does this apply? How does this fit into the, the bigger sweep of what Scripture teaches? And so just this week, I had the joy and privilege of spending about an hour and a half thinking through and answering questions that he'd been having as he'd been reading through Romans about the law and the place of the law and how Jesus fulfills that and, and how we now continue to walk with Jesus obediently. It was great. I'm so thankful that across this planet we've got amazing technology that connects us. We may be alone, isolated, but that doesn't mean we stop being able to connect or have influence upon others. And indeed, we still have plenty of time. We're so grateful for this format, this medium of YouTube, and so grateful to Pete, who's behind the camera right now, and will be editing for a few days before we put this live, for what this is enabling us to do as a church, to keep connected, to keep resourcing each other, but know that others are tuning in, and that is fantastic. We're so thankful for people like Tim and the other junior church leaders and youth leaders who week by week are utilising platforms like Zoom in order to have meetings, gatherings, in order to encourage them in the things of the Lord, to keep walking with Jesus and have opportunity to see what it looks like. Is it ideal? No. Is it perfect? Not at all. Can the Lord work through it? Absolutely. And indeed, we can still have one-to-ones on a phone call or even to write those letters. It's a bit slower, but can bring blessing and power. To ask those questions, to, to pray together, to seek the Lord together, to exercise our influence to be imitators of Jesus. What are we showing? 
not only with the family, not only with the body, the church, our fellowship. But believe it or not, there's a lot of other people who are noticing. One of the things I've been really aware of in this season of being at home more than normal is so much more interaction with those that I live around, my neighbours. The comings and the goings. We are much closer now with our wider community. It's been about six weeks. And it's great to hear from you of ways that have been unfolding, of cursory conversations that have developed into something more, of opportunity to pray, of opportunity to share hope, of opportunity to bring God into the the frame. We look forward to hearing your example of how your witness, your work, is unfolding as you imitate Jesus, as the world watches. It's an amazing and daunting, but real thing. And our prayer for us as we influence others, whether children or young people, our neighbours, our family, our work colleagues, and indeed those of us called together into this fellowship at this time, that as we look to Jesus, our influence, our ability to affect for life, for Jesus Christ, would be profound. I simply pray, more Lord, not just of talk, but of power. Amen.